Previously in the Brotherverse. Your friend Sage, her soul currently lies trapped 20 years in the past. Have you ever heard the bard's tale of the hole to the other side of the world? And he does a little cartoon dive, and then you hear him, like, hit the ground. He's like, ah! <laughs> You see a young-looking General Sage lying on the ground. We're here to rescue you. And right as General Sage jumps out this hole that you made, the rest of the environment evaporates. I'm very happy that you were able to return Sage's soul to her body. Sage is my living descendant and the embodiment of the talisman of time. Should we check the hole? What is happening? Where am I? Sage, it looks like we have a hostage now. This is going to complicate things. <laughs> So, if you guys remember, you have just transported back to the future. And you're in the tundra of the northern continent. And you are standing there with Sage, who has just been released from her crystal um, prison. And you also have the Omnian Prince with you, who is trapped in the portable hole. And you have now stabilized him. But he... He is currently sitting in the hole crying. And uh, you know that Sage was imbued with like a newfound power after being released from the crystal. But you guys have also gained some power since you've come back. Because you've all leveled up to level nine. We Nine. Did it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So who wants to go first? I'll do it. <laughs> uh. Mine's pretty quick and easy. Uh, my proficiency went up to from three to four. Uh, sorcery points went up to nine. Uh, which that sorcery points, if no one remembers, uh, I can like spend to get spell slots back. Mm-hmm. Um, my HP is now up to fifty-eight, allegedly. And <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I'm at 58. <laughs> and uh, and then fifth level spell, we're there. Um, and I chose an interesting little piece of magic. Go on. My first fifth level spell. I now have a spell called Animate Objects. That's fitting for you. Huh? Wait, what? That's <laughs> fitting for you. For those who don't know, Ryan Ryan is an animator in real life. Oh, for me as Ryan, as a person, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Me as human, not to me as lizard man. Him as human as is 3D animator. Yes. (laughs) Um, You animate objects. Sure do. Uh, I wish it was as easy as a spell, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) But. So I can choose up to 10 non-magical objects within range, not being worn or carried. Yeah, 10 objects. Uh, Although there's like caveats because medium objects count as two, large is four, and huge is eight objects. Mm. But like what is considered a huge object? It doesn't specify. 
No, sure. so like tiny, small, medium, large, and huge are like connotations of creature sizes as well. So like a weasel is like a tiny creature, while a Goliath is a large creature. Or I like think the that frost I, giants, would that be huge? That would be huge, I would I would expect. Yeah, so I could technically well, they're not Well, wait. They are it's, animate already. So yeah, it's not you could, magical. You could get like a boulder or like a, a statue of a knight. <laughs> a house. You go Baba Yaga. Yeah, so I could even take, yeah, I could take one huge object and a couple small ones. Um, but then I'm able to control them and they can attack. So they have different like attack hits depending on the size class, which it goes. Holy crap. Damn. Yeah, it goes all the way up to the huge uh, objects have like 2d12 plus 4 damage. Wow. Holy crap. And plus 8 to hit. So, oh, yeah, isn't that like plus eight on the on the hit roll? Yeah, on the attack roll. On yeah. the attack roll. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it seems like these things won't miss. <laughs> so we have another melee person potentially on our team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and potentially ten little minions. <laughs> yeah, if you could just like summon like ten nearby, I don't know, like pots off the ground or something, and just have them attack people, that seems insane yeah it's gonna get it's gonna get real beauty and the beast up in here yeah (laughs) (laughs) be our guest (laughs) (laughs) you just need to carry around the death (laughs) (laughs) you are not invited (laughs) you just need to carry around a picnic basket that's filled with like plates and silverware and tea kettles and stuff like that (laughs) whip it out at any time in blue the blue blue, yes (laughs) with living beat me to it living forks that's but yeah, so, so it sick. sounds it sounds awesome because mm-hmm. basically this is just going to be and honestly a lot of times I feel like I'm going to want to choose a horde of tiny objects because <laughs> I think that's hilarious versus like one big one. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's going to make things very difficult for me as the DM to be like attacking. Ten yeah, I'm just tiny like objects. good luck, Eric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's ten more people to <laughs> keep track of. Eric's mm-hmm. going to start making all of the environments empty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you Sorry, find yourself room. in a void <laughs> with no yeah. objects every ever every battle you fight is uh final destination from smash brothers it's yeah. just flat yeah. nothing there items turned off <laughs> items turned off yeah and ryan is like i animate the final destination platform yeah <laughs> god damn and it just turn it. it upside down <laughs> yeah gotcha that's so cool yeah so it's pretty legit uh, that's the extent of my my upgrades. So that's a big one, though. That's a big. I'll have to read through this whole thing because I want to fully understand it at some point. I do think it's funny. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't personally make the connection between that spell and my real life that <laughs> you made, Chris. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> you just knew you were drawn to it. <laughs> I was like, "This sounds great." <laughs> Okey doke. Ork, you want to go next? Yeah. All right, so I, my proficiency went up one, my health went up 15, so I'm sitting pretty at a cool 100. Ooh. Ooh. My God. Like dead even 100? Dead even 100, triple digits. I was going to say it's my centennial hit points, but that relates to time. So I looked up what just 100 is, and it's centum, apparently. 
So I have a huh. centum of hit points. Sick. Uh, what else? Oh, and then I got brutal critical, which means I get an extra die to roll to determine critical hit damage. Oh, oh so instead of rolling two d, yeah, what would that be? Two d twelves. You'd roll three d twelves. Yeah, whatever the additional die is for a critical hit, I get to do yeah. two of them. When do you get to roll for critical hit? So if you roll a 20, oh. you double your hit die usually. Um, and so I guess now he triples his hit die. Oh, gotcha. That yeah, is I guess a so. critical. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of damage. <laughs> yep. So you I'm could do like 30. <laughs> if you rolled a 12 on a d20, you'd do 36 damage without even putting your bonuses on. That'd be awesome. I think that's it for me. All right. Oh, wait, no, I got one more uh, rage damage. So I do plus three on a rage hit now. Nice. Oh, sweet. Man, so when you're raging, if you roll a d20, you are unstoppable. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Yenry, what you got for us? Yeah, so uh, mine's very similar to Puff's. Uh, So I got one more proficiency point. So all my skills go up a little bit. Uh, I got to roll for more hit points, so I'm up to 60 now. Um, I got a higher uh, dice to roll for my Song of Rest feature, which is something I've never used. But mm-hmm. I think it's basically like we can I can play a song and we can get back hit points. And it used to be a D6, but now like, we can roll a D8 and, and get back hit points for that. So if we need to, I can. Um, and then I also got one more spell and i have one level five spell now one fifth level spell so my new spell is something called mislead and basically it allows me to become invisible and then spawn an illusory double of myself uh, where i was standing so i kind of like split my consciousness and can send this like fake version of me in a different direction and the real me is invisible and can go do whatever um I love this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it lasts for up to an hour with concentration. Wow. And I can move it. Weirdly, I can use my action to move it double my speed and make it gesture, speak, or behave in whatever way I choose. So for some reason, it's faster than me. I don't really know about that. But <laughs> I guess maybe because it's dashing, but uh, I don't know. Oh, mm-hmm. That but, makes uh, sense. Yeah. And then uh, I can choose to see through its eyes and hear through its ears uh, if I want to, and then as a bonus mm-hmm. action on each turn, can basically swap consciousness between the fake me and the real invisible me. So I can. This sounds like basically what Screezel does, but like you can switch consciousness. Like Screezel has like a hundred foot range too, where it's like Ryan can see and hear through his eyes and ears. But this is like so much more than that because you can embody it and like. Do you, do you does it have any like limit on distance? Mm. As in, it has to be within a thousand feet of you. It doesn't just say so. The range, cool. the range just says self, and then yeah. there's nothing else in the description that says anything about then distance. yeah. Then there there probably isn't. I mean, it doesn't yeah. take spell so damage. That's what I was trying to see. Like if it gets attacked or something, if it goes away. But I I think because it says illusory, it's illusory. I think image. people just can't hit it. Like it's just yeah. Can yeah. unless you're embodying it, it's non corporeal. 
Yeah. Okay, so it also can't interact with things. It's just kind of there. Yeah, it just gestures and talks and does whatever. So it's a very good distraction. But okay. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, uh, I mean, oh, that's it, it seems so like you could fun. use that to safely infiltrate places like a castle, for instance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One episode too late. Yeah. Because I mean, even just like the the fact that I'm invisible, like the real me is invisible, is super useful. And the mm-hmm. fact that there's like a visual version of me somewhere else is like nice. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, you could send it somewhere, right? Really far away. And then just like teleport yourself there, basically, by swapping mm-hmm. your consciousness, right? Or does well, that to, not... Yeah, to, to see what it's seeing. But base, I think when I return, like when I end the spell, I will still inhabit my original... Original body? Oh, okay. Invisible oh, body. I thought yeah. swap consciousness meant like you can basically flop them like <laughs> yeah sorry i shouldn't use the term swap consciousness the way they phrase it is you can see through its eyes and hear through its ears as if you were located where it is yeah oh, okay and then so on each always turn, non-corporeal yeah, mm-hmm. you can switch from using its senses to using your own or back again okay and while you are using its senses you are blinded and deafened to your actual surroundings mm-hmm. so you can only see through one thing at a time but mm. <laughs> real yenry is left very vulnerable yeah. <laughs> but real but luckily, yenry is he's invisible. invisible yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah i picture the the fake yenry as like a a poor like voodoo doll version or something with button eyes and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Coraline. <laughs> yeah Coraline. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's gonna be a fun one to play around with yeah it's it's, it's really interesting because like I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, you could use this to, like, distract a guard where, like, I have this thing stand there and, like, be talking to or whatever, and then the invisible me, like, sneaks past and goes and does stuff. But if I'm not actively doing anything as it, I can, like, tell it to, like, I guess, gesture or, like, behave. But is it going to be smart enough to, like, carry on a legit yeah. conversation? <laughs> it's like that episode yeah. of Rick and Morty, the yes guy, yeah. when yeah. Jerry's in, like, the, the poorly yeah. <laughs> rendered world. Or like Ferris Bueller, it's just a yes. pre-recorded conversation. That- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it could work. <laughs> as long as the world's full of Jerry's, then we'll be all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of Jerry's. Sweet. Well, that's going to be very, very exciting to delve into some of those new abilities later on. Yeah. But okay. now we are transporting ourselves back into... Fantasy world, you guys are in the snowscape. You're with Sage. The prince is crying, and <laughs> you guys got to get back home. So Sage is standing there, and she looks at all of you, and she says, I am not sure what to do with this prince. I remember hearing long, long ago that he disappeared, but no one ever knew where he ended up, and I guess now we have our answer. Yeah. Uh, that's my fault. Didn't think it through, clearly. I mean, I think it's understandable given the circumstances you guys were under. I mean, you were infiltrating a castle and were being chased by guards and all sorts of other people. Now we just have to deal with this tiny brat. So we can't, we can't go put him back? I don't believe so. I mean, we could give him back to Lord Orthgar, but that doesn't seem like a very good idea. This seems like a great piece of... Leverage. Leverage, exactly. And the the prince continues crying in the, down there, and he, he stands up and he's like, Why? Where are we? 
why am I here? He's like, I want my, I want my comfy sheets. I want my, and you see him like blip out of existence for a second. Oh. And he appears next to you guys on top of the hole. And he looks around. And he's like, ah, what is happening? And you see him like blip a little bit more over next to Sage. And he's just like crying. And he's puts out his hands like, okay, okay. Just need to calm down. Just need to calm down. It's so cold. And he looks at you and he's like, can I have your coat? Uh, sh- sure. Yeah. It's just it's so cold. I just can't can't think. I can't think at all. And he walks over and he takes your coat and he puts it on himself. And Sage walks over to him and she says, Perry, I need you to listen to me for a second. We have both you have been transported 20 years in the future. And now we cannot bring you back. We must move forward and I must ask you not to panic. And Perry starts to like hyperventilate a little bit and you see him pass out and Sage catches him in her arms and she just lifts him up and says, well, I guess this is easier than dealing with him right now. And she (laughs) says, do you have your ravens nearby? Oh, Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. Me neither. It's been been ages. (laughs) It's been years. (laughs) So uh, roll a intelligence check or a survival check. That time travel really does a number on your your memory, huh? <laughs> Thirteen. Eleven. It's a it's a two. <laughs> okay, none of you can seem to remember where your ravens are parked. This is gonna be like that uh. episode of Seinfeld where they can't remember where the car is parked in the parking garage. <laughs> And they wander that. around for hours. I don't remember episode, that episode. They're just wandering through the parking garage looking for that oh, car. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where Dude, Where's My Car? I got the idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. The Seinfeld spinoff? Dude, Where's My Raven? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Sage, I, I do not. We can't remember where our ravens uh, are. I think they're parked around here somewhere, but I just don't remember. Can Yenry feel... Uh, like, is there a feeling with his, his Yenry... Uh, Wenry. Yeah, his Wenry. With my Yenry Wenry. Yenry Wenry. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do have a link. Like You, you are bound in some way with Use that, your Find so. My Wenry. Yeah. <laughs> find My Wenry app. Pull out the yeah. squeezel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I pull out my medallion and like push it to my chest and see if I can feel where she is Mm -hmm. so you do that and you have this feeling inside of you that Wenry is nearby and you can feel her presence like 200 yards through the snow over a little hill okay guys they are nearby I I can feel Wenry she's they're just over that hill oh thank god And, and Sage like lifts up the prince a little bit more and she starts walking it's like all right let's get over there and you guys start marching through the snow for a bit and sure enough you crest the hill and you see your three ravens sitting there they're a little chilled there's some icicles hanging off their wings but they are um they're there and they stand up to greet you and they shake off the ice a little bit and are are waiting your commands i cast some prestidigitation to de-ice the ravens Ooh, nice 
Yeah, and they, they are cleaned up. They look warm and fluffy and ready to fly. Dope. All right, so where are we headed? Back to Kulton? I think that would be best, yes. And uh, I think for these three ravens, Puff, I'm going to give you the prince, and Yenri, I'm going to ride on your Aww. raven. Orc, I think that... Um, <laughs> You have enough weight to just carry yourself on the raven. Oh, hey, now. Weird dig. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is just about being efficient at this point. All right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) So Sage uh, hops onto Yenry's raven, and then uh, after she puts the prince in uh, puffs, and you guys take a running start and lift off into the air into the cold. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> go, Ravens, go. <laughs> go, fancy oh, fish, go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it is, it is daytime right now. The sky is clear. So you have, you have a, a great view of your surroundings, but it's just snow as far as you can see with random craggy peaks, uh, like, erupting from the snowscape. And you're flying for about two hours, and you start to see the recognizable twin peaks of Kultan with the river running through it. And you begin to descend into this area, and you can see the Valkyrie uh, shimmering in the sunlight. And you race down to the ground, and your raven's feet hit, and you trot for a little bit, and you pull up next to the Valkyrie. And standing at the entrance of the Valkyrie is Fira. And she looks out over you and she screams like, you're back. And she runs down like the gangplank of the Valkyrie and runs over to Sage. And she gives Sage a big hug and like lifts her off the ground and says, it's about goddamn time you got back. I was getting sick of looking after all these people here. And she goes over to each of you and gives you, like, a big bear hug, too. And says, like, can't tell you how grateful I am for, for you bringing Sage back to us. And uh, in the distance, you can see Grim starting to come down the gangplank as well. And Fira turns to you all and says, I mean, it's been, it's been a couple weeks since you left. What's, what's been happening? Well, we got another talisman. That's great. Where is it? Uh, uh, right here. Yep. Um, here. We point to Sage. That <laughs> yeah. that one. And Sage bows at her, and Fira's eyes go wide a little bit. And Sage just says, "It's a little bit of a long story. I'll I'll fill you in inside." And uh, Grim comes running down the gangplank, and he finally meets you guys. He's like, "Oh my God, you're back! You're back!" And Sage, you're Grim. back. It's like, hey, buddy, and he goes and he slaps you all on the back. Says, man, it's about it's about time here. It's like we were we were really starting to get worried that we we're going to be losing like all our best people here. I mean, it's been it's been two weeks. We've just been hunkering down, but uh, my God, it's great to see you all. It's like, let's let's get up on the Valkyrie where it's a little less cold. And so you all round up and you you walk up the gangplank into the Valkyrie. And you end up making your way to the, the bridge of the Valkyrie, and you're all standing around, and Sage fills in Fira and Grimm about where she was, that she had gone out and 
had been encapsulated in this crystal palace and had lost sort of a sense of time while she was there. Um, but then you had saved her and her soul was returned and she had returned. And now she is in fact the embodiment of the talisman of time now. And fear and grim just sort of have these amazed looks on their face this whole time. They're, they're really trying to take everything in and, uh, Grim turns to all of you and he just says, so you guys really went 20 years in the past? Like just now? Like you just got back from 20 years ago? I, yeah, I, we think so. It works. It's like, man, that must have been crazy. You see any cool stuff? You bring anything back? Oh, I forgot to stop at the gift shop. <laughs> we, I, I got something. Yeah? I got this... Uh, uh, vampire amulet or whatever it is. Oh, sapphire? What is it? It's uh, yeah, it's like a ruby necklace. Yeah, it's from a vampire. Oh man, that's cool. Do you like kill it? Yep. And now I can heal myself. Whoa, that's badass. So you're like a magic orc now. Yeah, magic orc. <laughs> magic orc. <laughs> <laughs> The Pokemon <laughs> Magikorp. <laughs> it's Magikorp. <laughs> we evolves into Jira Dork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so he looks at the rest and he's like, "Yeah, anything else?" And he's like, "What about what about that unconscious guy that Fear happens to be holding right now? What's what's that dude's story?" Oh, I put him in my hole. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Forget. Phrasing. For, yeah. Is this Richard Gear Part Two? <laughs> Forgot he was in his hole, and he followed yeah. us all the way back here. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call him a souvenir. Uh, this is uh, the the Prince of Omnia, or at least was. I don't really know how that works anymore. And Grim's jaw drops. He's just like. Oh my god. And Sage turns to him and he's like, Yeah, I was kind of waiting to determine what to do about this. Basically, what happened is they put him in a portable hole, kind of forgot about him. And then when they were transported back here, the prince is still here. So, yeah, that's an interesting thing we have to deal with. But the good news is, is that. He is likely close to the king, being the king's son. So there's probably valuable information that he has about the operations of the guardians. Granted, it's 21 years old now, 20 years old now, but who knows? Who knows what he might know? He also seems to be unstable. He was sort of like glitching out back there. Yeah, like temporally unstable. And emotionally. Yeah, I guess both. (laughs) Oh, well, that's not good. I mean, honestly, he's not like mechanical, so that's kind of out of the realm of my qualifications. <laughs> but I bet Percy would take a look at him. And I know that Percy's going to be very excited to sort of examine Sage as well and see what this whole like embodiment of the talisman of time thing is all about. And Sage looks at Grimm and says, yes, I think that that's probably the best move going forward. We should probably talk to Percy as soon as possible. And so you guys... Collect yourselves, and um, Fira is still holding Perry, and you guys all walk down 
towards the elevator that leads into the the depths of the ship that you haven't seen in quite a long time. I was thinking about this. I think the you've met Percy once, maybe twice, and it was a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think just once. Hmm. Yeah. So well, he was a I character. Guess he back. would have been. Would they have been here the whole year that we were in Kulton? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you so. you'd be familiar with him, but he's sort of a recluse, and he's the gotcha. the the ship's archaeologist. So he stays in the bowels of the ship with Iser and May. They're the two monks that help protect the ship. One of them shields the ship using magic, and the other one is sort of a uh, like alarm system. He can see out and detect magic really far from the ship, so he can detect if people are coming nearby. So. You reach the inner part of the ship and you enter in sort of one by one into the small elevator that leads farther down and the doors open up and you walk into this room that you recognize as Percy's laboratory. So there's all kinds of gadgets and statues and scrolls all over the tables. And then in the center of this room, you see Iser and May and they're sitting underneath this tree with twisting uh, branches rising up and foliage is sort of canopied above them. And in front of them is a small stone table that has two gems on it. One is blue and one is black. And you recognize those as the talismans of darkness and water. And Percy walks up to you all and he says, Hey, Sage, I'm so glad that you're back. I'm so I'm so happy that you're 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 finally here. It's like I've been I've been down here for for months. I feel like I've just been I've just been studying. I've made some some great progress on the talismans though. It's been great, but it's like where where have you been? What did you find out? And Sage replies, "Percy, it's a very very long story, but the most important part to tell you is that the talisman of time I am the Talisman of Time, apparently. The original keeper of the Talisman of Time imbued her bloodline with the Talisman's power, and I am apparently the last living heir of that. And Percy's eyes go wide as she says this, and he runs over to her and he's like, I, I, I must confirm this. And he's like, one moment. And he like holds his hands out to her, and you see them glow softly. He's like, I'm just going to detect the type of magic that's emanating from you. And his hands start glowing. And with that, Sage's eyes glow white a little bit. And you see the other talismans across the room glow a little bit as well. And all of the lights go out at the same time as Percy lowers his hands. He's like, wow. Wow, it really is true. It's like your 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 magical aura, it's emanating the same energy as the talismans. This is this is fantastic. This is this, there's so much that we can do with this. But I feel like there's still so much we don't understand. And he walks over to Sage and he says, I want you to come closer to, to Iser and May and the other talismans. I feel like maybe they'll be able to read more than I'm reading here. And Sage nods her head at him. And she walks over towards the talismans and you see them start to glow a little bit and Sage hesitates for a second, but then walks closer. And as she gets within a few feet, you see her white hair start to stand up on end a little bit and this white light glowing from her body. 
and then she rises into the air a little bit and you see her eyes glow white and the other talismans glow and the whole room that you're standing in is engulfed in this white mist again very similar to when you were with zana and you are now all standing in this white room and you are looking at your hands in your sort of see-through and you feel like you're in a dream state but you're all with each other right now so you see grim and fira and sage and percy and you're all standing in this room together and grim looks at you guys like are you guys seeing the same thing i'm seeing or am i going crazy oh no i see it i'm seeing it yeah mm-hmm like well this is concerning <laughs> and uh as you're all looking at your hands and trying to get a bearing of what you're looking at uh you see a few shapes start to materialize in front of you in the mist and again it feels like you're looking at a, a dream or looking back it feels like you're looking back at a memory or something like that and you see a younger looking zana and she's laying in a bed and she looks a little bit exhausted and there's a man standing next to her and she's sitting in the bed and she has two small children in her arms they look like newborn babies and she looks at them and says aren't they beautiful talus i shall name them arrow and raya and the man that she just called talus puts his arm on her shoulder and he looks very happy and then the scene just disappears in a wisp of mist his and name is talus yes so he's the talus man <laughs> <laughs> solves it I didn't oh my think God. of that. <laughs> Puzzle. It all, it all makes sense now. <laughs> the talisman. <laughs> Damn. The whole thing is ruined. You guys figured it out. <laughs> it's funny. There's been a few times that that's happened where I've like named something and then afterwards it's like, well, my mind operates in very like easy to read ways. Like <laughs> when I named Bellion and it's like the place where the rebellion is happening. Like, oh, I never thought about that. I no, didn't even think about that. <laughs> I feel like we mentioned this in a previous episode. Really? But uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking of that at all. But it's like, oh, like, what do I call the place where the rebellion happens? It's like, ah, oh, Bellion. <laughs> and then when they try again. Yeah. yeah. When <laughs> they try again, it's the rebellion. It's the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fixing up the, it's gentrifying. It's the rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> okay so um <laughs> this this scene dissipates in front of you and then another scene materializes in front of you and you see two children um they're a little bit older uh maybe f six seven years old and the man named talus and zana are, are sitting on a rock watching them play and zana says to talus why they're mighty clever arrow is quite strong-willed though he may even replace you someday on the council. And Talus just laughs a little bit, and he, he keeps looking at the kids playing. And then the scene disappears again, and a new one reappears with Zana, Talus, and four other like old men and women uh, dressed in yellow robes, and they're sitting in a line at the front of a large monastery, and it's snowing out. And Zana stands up and says, I am proud and honored to welcome a new elder to the council. After 49 years of meditation, you're ready to help lead our people, Arrow. And you see uh, a man in his 50s approach 
Zana, and Zana hands him a red sash. And as she does, the sash and everything else materializes into white smoke again. And then you see they're engulfed in white again, and you see a large blue crystal streak across the whiteness um, above you. And you hear this large boom as it crashes in a flash of light. And then you're standing next to the crater of this crystal, and you see seven people standing around it. And Arrow, Talus, and Zana are three of the people. And you see the crystal shatter apart, and a colored shard floats to each elder that is standing around it. And you see a black shard come out, and it floats towards Arrow. And he looks up to the others and says, With this divine power, we are going to change the world forever. And then the scene goes away again. And suddenly you're back at the monastery, and Zana is standing in front of Talus and her daughter Raya with a concerned look in her eyes. She says, I feel we have made a grave error. The talismans will bring destruction. I have seen it. We must destroy them. And Talus replies, Arrow has too firm of a hold on the others. They will never relinquish their power. But Zana replies, You must leave now, Talus. Go to the plane of air with your talisman and wait for me. I must stop this now. And Talus nods his head at her. And then Raya reaches out for Talus and yells, No, please don't go. But the scene disappears before she's able to grasp him. In the next scene, Zana is seen rising up in the air and she's risen above the five remaining talisman holders, the other elders. Her eyes are burning white. Arrow yells out at her, you don't know what you're doing. We can change the world for the better. But Zana replies softly, no, we will destroy it. And her eyes explode in a burst of white light. And you see the five remaining talisman holders evaporate in the air in front of her and streaks of colored light shoot from their bodies towards the far reaches of the world. And then as the blinding light subsides, you see a scene of Raya sleeping in her bed and a small silvery light falls down to her ear and whispers, I'm sorry, my darling, but I must bestow upon you a horrible burden. Please keep this talisman close to your heart and protect it. And then you see the light enter Raya's body and as it does, there's a wisp of white smoke again, and she disappears. And then you see Percy's laboratory materialize again in front of you. And you see Sage fall down to the ground, and you all look at your hands and you feel like you're back to normal. And Sage looks back at you all and she says, I think, I think I've just seen one of Zana's memories. It's like, were you all present for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Percy's looking around at you all. And he's like, that was incredible. Because the talisman of time resides inside of you, you must be gaining some of Zana's powers or her memories or something else. This is incredible. It's like, we can learn, we can learn so much from this. He's like, and the, the piece about the talisman of Talus was interesting. Oh, that's going to be shitty to, to say from here on in. <laughs> talisman of Talus. <laughs> talus is talisman. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was uh, a lot. So were we able to see which color the different 
elders had. Yeah, yeah, you were. And so you saw that Zana had a silvery one, Arrow had a black one, and Talus had a golden one. And we didn't recognize the other elders? The other elders weren't specifically called out by name in the memories that you saw. But you did recognize Talus's uh, talisman as the... Wow, I'm really, really regretting this uh, (laughs) naming choice now. Uh, You recognize his talisman as the Talisman of Thunder. You can just call him Mr. T. Mr. T. (laughs) I like that better. (laughs) I was trying to think of a T name when I was thinking, like, okay, he's the the holder of the Talisman of Thunder. I need a T name. And I just thought I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I wasn't taking notes. Uh, Did anyone remember where... Zana told Talus to go. And Percy like pipes up and he says, she told him to go to the plane of air. Plane of air. Does that sound familiar to you? Do you know what that would mean? Yeah. So in the, this is, this is kind of a complicated concept, but the, the world that we live in is the material plane. And the material plane is surrounded by other planes of existence that have elemental affinities. So there's a, a mm-hmm. plane of fire, a plane of earth, a plane of water, a plane of air. And plane of heart? Plane of heart. Mm-hmm. And we are Captain Planet in the middle, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Plane of snakes? <laughs> plane of snakes. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> plane of donuts? <laughs> that... Gotta that, reach for that one. That took me a second to get <laughs> plane of snakes. Oh my god! <laughs> so I don't, these goddamn snakes, this goddamn this elemental plane, yeah. <laughs> goddamn plane of existence. It's like yeah. So hey, there's information. There's only very very powerful mages that are able to transport to the elemental planes. But there are some places on Earth where the there is a meeting place between the planes and you can actually transport yourself from the material plane to the plane of air. It's like, I, I don't know where that would be or how we would do it, but that those are the things that I've studied in mm. my past. And I know, I know it's possible, but maybe there's some kind of plane train that you can take between <laughs> the planes <clears throat> or an airplane <laughs> to the plane of air. <laughs> That's what he meant. Just get on the plane of air. <laughs> An airplane. airplane. <laughs> it's like the Lego movie. Vernacular. Catch a flight home. Yeah. yeah. Wait for me. I must go on the air of planes to Miami on a 405 flight. Yeah. <laughs> Flying jet blue. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Percy looks at you all. He says, "This is this is all very exciting, but I, I feel like we we must do a few other things before we we tackle this issue." Sage, I've, I've, now that you're back, I want you to know that I, I got a, a, an enormous magical reading about a couple hours ago, and I'm afraid that when you you and all of you transported back to this area from 20 years ago, maybe. Maybe there was some magical explosion or something like that. And if we were able to detect it, then the Guardians might be able to detect it too. So 
I think that we have to close up shop here and, and fly to somewhere else with the Valkyrie. It's not safe for the people of Cool Town anymore. And Sage nods her head and she says, Percy, I think that you're right. These people have given us enough protection. If you did detect that magic, then the people here are in fact in danger. Quickly, everyone, get to your stations. We have to take off immediately. The rest of you, you stay down here with Percy. You can keep talking to him about next steps, but the rest of us, we gotta go get this bird off the ground. And Sage bows to the rest of you and thanks Percy and her Grim and Fira with Perry walk into the elevator and they they rise up um, into the ship and you're left there with Percy. I was like, who's Perry? <laughs> Prince Perry. Prince Perry. <laughs> Perry Orthgard. And so Percy is thinking for a moment and he says, I'm just, I'm trying to, reach into my my mind here and try and think if there's anything that I know where you could get to the elemental plane. Honestly, this is beyond my reach of knowledge, I would say. It's like, but I do I do know a place where you might be able to find that information. Like there is there is a city called Toth in the southeastern corner of the the continent. And there's a library in Toth that holds basically the entire realm of human knowledge. I think that you might be able to go there, and if you can talk to the monks that hold the information there, you might be able to pick apart the library for, for some information on this. Oh. Books. Great. A, a, a library. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So, like, ravens again? <laughs> yeah, luckily, that, that'll, be, that'll be the easiest for you. And I have to let you know, too, that... Um, the 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 library they don't just let anyone in you gotta have a library card i know yeah yeah no it's not even a library card that would that would be fantastic that'd be great but no this is this is a very special library they only let very select people in you have to bring a tome to them that they don't have in their collection yet in order to enter oh tome yes a tome a book sorry if you don't are not familiar with that word <laughs> <laughs> Can I uh, write one? They won't have that. It'll be an original. True. Yeah, that could, that could, that could, that could be great, potentially. All right, I'll start writing. <laughs> you have one day to write a tome. <laughs> My rage. <laughs> Are there requirements for a tome, like lengthwise? Uh, usually it has to be filled with knowledge that's going to be helpful to other people or contain magical secrets or adventurers, quests, or things of that nature. I got all that. It has to be at least 400 pages, otherwise it's a tomella. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my rage in my hole. <laughs> a collection of poetry by Ork Pinklitbrod. <laughs> Poem. His his pen name? Yeah. 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 <laughs> pen clip run. My, the man in my hole. <laughs> A collection of slam poetry. Slam toem tree. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, I'm writing. You guys figure out your own books. Well, I, so... 
Did did we? You should anything... be able to just present one. Yeah. Didn't did we bring anything back from uh, you know, the lost city? Oh, Zomtal. Zomtal with the zombies. It's yeah. Another one. <laughs> uh, didn't we bring? Oh, and we brought something back from Anderson Cooper, didn't we? Oh. 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 Yeah. Was that Wait, a book? So you... Was that just a map? No, that or was, was it a like a collection of notes. It was in uh, of the Guardians. Oh, there you go. With the map of Mardinia, with the abyssal speech on it that talks about the lost city of Zomtal. That seems pretty valuable. That's convenient. Can we? That give... does seem pretty important. Have you have you transcribed it? You got a copy? Oh, of course I have. Yes. Could could we use that? Absolutely. That seems like the perfect thing to to give to them. And they are great, great keepers of knowledge. I know that the the, the contents of these these scripts will be very, in very, very good hands, very protected there. Oracle, just leave a little, like, insert with some of his poems on it. <laughs> yeah, inside. <laughs> like a guy handing out his CD on the street corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you just, like, thumb to the middle, you'll find. Yep. <laughs> Oh, how'd that get in there? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Percy runs over and he starts shuffling through some papers and you feel the the whole ship start to shudder and you feel there's like a pit in your stomach that goes down as you feel the ground beneath you raise up and the whole ship you feel raise off the ground and you are now in flight on the Valkyrie. And Percy comes back over to you and hands you the collection of notes that you took from Anderson Cooper. And he says, this is a, this is a fantastic idea. I know that, that this, this will be very important to them. They'll be very excited to take this into their collection. Yeah, not, not quite as excited as my book, but they're, they'll like it. I mean, feel free to give them your own book as well. I, I mean, the more the merrier, honestly. Yeah. Well, once again, Percy, thank you for the information. No problem. I'll see you guys in another 35 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And he uh, he bows at you guys and you walk back into the elevator and you, you raise back up and you're now in the belly of the ship, which is now in the air and has taken flight off to unknown lands. Yeah.